Join Discovery Bank to experience the most innovative digital banking products and features at your fingertips. Open your account in minutes and transact immediately with your free virtual card. Get more from your money, pay less interest on your credit and earn more on your savings. Enjoy smart ways to pay medical expenses and get flexible gym visits with Vitality Pay as You Gym through Discovery Pay. Track your spend with our smart budgeting tools for a real-time view of your finances. Get all this and more. The future of banking now. Broadcasting worldwide online 24-7. You online. Welcome to Healthcare Hour with Colleen Quist. It's another week. If you're living in the Southern Hemisphere, it's been an extremely cold week. And so I hope that you're wrapped up warmly wherever you are. Though come to think of it, looking at my guest in his shirt sleeves, hmm, he must live in a different planet to us. But we'll get back to that. Um, more about healthcare. You know that Healthcare Hour with me is all about healthcare professionals. It's for us all to understand that they are people. They are not some weird robots and that they have feelings, they get hungry and they get tired and we need to have better relationships with them. So yes, it's about us developing better relationships with our healthcare professional. It's also as patients for us to take autonomy over our own health. Um, also understanding that no amount of drugs are going to fix us. If it's a lifestyle story, we need to take ownership of where we are and where we should be. And then, of course, Healthcare Hour with me is also about us talking about the things we don't normally talk about, the things that, and a lot of people say to me, oh, but Colleen, you know, we can't talk about that. Yes, we can, because in in education, in knowledge, we have freedom, we have choice. So my guest today is a third-year medical student, and I can't wait for you to meet him. I found him on social media and I found him quite fascinating and his approach to medicine quite fascinating. So after the break, we'll be meeting him. But let's go for that break. Dad, where did babies come from? Dad, stop. Think. This is a huge important question in your daughter's life and needs to be handled delicately. Too much information will lead to a lifetime of therapy. Not enough information will also lead to a lifetime of therapy. But you do need to respond with honesty and confidence. Think. What would Elliot do? Hmm. You should ask Mommy. That's her department. Smooth move, Dad. Smooth move. For well-considered smooth moves, Elliot is amazing. Stay woke with Vuga Online Radio. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. My guest today is John T. Wright, who is a third-year medical student. And what I found quite fascinating with him is, is that he loves medicine, people, and technology. And he is trying to ing- integrate the three. He's trying to bring them all together. So, John T., welcome. Thanks for joining us. Colleen, thank you for having me. Yes. All right. So, um, if you're going to be looking John T. up on on, uh, social media, sometimes he goes by the name of Jonathan, and other times he's John T. Yes. All right. So, tell us more. You um, have obviously popped up in a lot in social media recently because of this Save, this save 7 story. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, 
Sure. So Safe Seven is a student-run nonprofit organization, and its mission is to increase the transplant rate in South Africa. Um, that can take various forms, whether it's by raising awareness, and <laughs> that's probably what everybody will be um, seeing on social media at the moment. Um, but it also looks like consulting on building better systems for referrals of donors um, and then supporting patients afterwards, um, both pre- and post-transplant. Um, it, it didn't actually start like that. Funnily enough, it literally just started as a, an awareness-raising campaign in amongst my class. Um, I had been working in, um, in a renal dialysis unit and I met a patient called Lynette in my first year of medical school. And she told me the story about how she was born with autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease. Now, naturally, being a first year, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> um, and in English, and I'm assuming most doctors will know that that means that her kidneys had failed by the time that she was 30. And because of the genetic nature of the disease, her sister had it too. And she told me the story about how her sister died two years previously while waiting for a life-saving organ transplant that never came. And now she was in the exact same position quite literally waiting to die. Um, and I'm sure that most people in hearing this story would, would also be quite gripped by that. Um, so I did a little bit more digging and was quite horrified to find out that there are more than 4,000 people in South Africa who share a very similar story to the net. Um, medicine can't help them beyond offering them the hope of a transplant at some stage in the future, but there just isn't enough supply of organs. Digging a little bit deeper, we found out that there were 60 plus viable organs going to waste each and every week that could have been given to patients like Lynette, but weren't because the patient didn't get referred. Or most importantly, the patient's next of kin said no. Um, it was completely news to me that the, the legal burden fell on the next of kin. It wasn't on anything that I'd signed or anything that I stipulated. And yeah, I, I was quite shocked by that and then decided to find out how many other people in my class knew knew this fact um, and found out that, yeah, I, I was one of, I think, two, having upskilled myself in that, um, who ended, ended up knowing that in a class of 300. And that was quite shocking. I mean, we, we, we were medical professionals or, or aspiring medical professionals and we didn't know something so, so simple. So it started off as an awareness campaign. And as we delved a little bit deeper into it, we discovered there were a whole lot of holes in this ecosystem um, that we could potentially be filling in order to get more organs into more patients. Yes. So it's fascinating then how you've taken um, facts, but because your facts came with a real life person, you know, with with a story. And so once we've heard the story, then it's almost like, oh, you know, our emotions are then involved then. Um, and yes, exactly as your class has said, where they didn't know that unless you've got a document that says, yes, you are an organ donor, then you can ask the next of kin. Hmm. Yeah. What's also difficult is with next of kin is, is that you're busy grieving um, or you, you faced with grieving and, and the trauma of that. And then suddenly you've been asked to, well, you're losing your person, but like, let's take the pieces too. You know, it can no. come across as being quite um, not very kind. Yeah, and, and I don't blame them. Our, our donor consent rate amongst nests of kin is dwindling at around about 30%. And it's, it's like you said, like if I was in that position, if I'd tragically lost my son, brother, mother, whoever it was, and we hadn't had a conversation about organization, I didn't know what their wishes were. And some person I'd never met came and said, are, are you using a heart, by the way? <laughs> I would tell them to get lost yeah. really, really quickly. 
Um, yes. And unfortunately, that's the case. But Safe Seven was founded on the idea that if somebody had had that conversation with their next of kin, it would be the easiest decision of their lives. And there's actually a lot of a closure that, that families can get by, by seeing that their, um, their deceased relative managed to give somebody else life or multiple people life. Um, but obviously, in the moment, that's incredibly hard to see. And it's completely understandable for people to be saying that. Yes. Yeah, so what you're asking people then is to have the conversation. Exactly, exactly. And trying to make that conversation as easy as possible uh, because it is a difficult one. I mean, people don't like thinking about death. That's, that's a given. Um, so we had, to, we had to approach it from an aspect of, okay, cool, how do we make this seem cool again in a sense? Um, steer away from the morbidity aspect of it and say, instead focus on, okay, if I t- talk to my next of kin or my family for 30 seconds, I could multiply life exponentially. And if I tell other people to do the same, it's super easy and we can all have an incredible impact. Instead of focusing on that aspect of like, you're going to die one day. Do you want your organs to be eaten? <laughs> or do you want them to go yes. to somewhere? Like no, no, one, no one likes to think about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had, we've had to be quite tactful. And I think that there are probably things that we could be doing better that I don't know about. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very, very pleased with how it's been going so far. Mm. Okay, so basically save seven because each person's organs could save seven people? Exactly. You've got seven life-saving organs. Um, you can actually donate your, your tissues, like your, your corneas, which I thought was weird at first. Um, but then found out that I could literally give somebody their sight back um, with one conversation as well. But so you can donate your, your, your corneas, your tissue, um, your bone, your um, ligaments, your, your skin. Um, so you can actually end up helping, I think it's close on 52 people. Um, yeah, like you said, Save 7 comes from those seven lives saved. Help 52 didn't have quite the same ring to it. Um, so we went with Save 7. <laughs> yes. And I think it's also about saying because of the time attached to the seven, that if I need your heart, I need it now. I can't be, have, you know, we can't be having conversations and mm, did somebody want this or didn't they want it? So it's like, it's the pre-qualified conversation because when you need kidneys or you need a liver or you need a heart or you need lungs, you know, we need them now. Yeah, they're urgent. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. and then. What have you done in terms of Save 7? You know, how, how, why and how has it made a difference? Sure. So Save 7 is a, it's an ongoing Dante, project. can I just ask you to speak closer to the microphone because you disappear course, every time again. Yeah. Of course. Do you want me to, see to move this closer? Okay, cool. So Save 7 is an ongoing project. Um, there's still a lot that I would hope that we are able to achieve when it comes to increasing donor referral rates and increasing overall transplant rates in South Africa going forward. Um, but what I'm really, really um, proud of the team for being able to pull together now is um, number one, support groups. We piloted the first um, patient-centered dialysis support groups at Tigerberg Hospital. Got a group of 50 of them and already seeing um, improvements in, in hope, in mentorship, in their, their care of themselves when they're not on dialysis. And that, that to me is a win. Um, also, each person who comes up to me, um, be it a, a member of the public who, who recognizes um, an article or me from an article, which I'm still getting used to, um, or one of my friends from high school and says, you know, I actually had that conversation recently. That's me as a victory because that's n- not only is that potentially seven lives saved, but it's also somebody 
who can talk to other people about it. Mm. Like when that issue comes up, there'll be an ambassador for it. And yeah, I, I guess we'll never really know what the what the impact was or the, that we had yet. But I, I sure hope God shows it to me after I die. Because <laughs> it'd be great to see. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's important, you know, even people who will be listening to us to say, you're listening to us right now, you know, um, today, have the conversation with your loved ones that, you know, when I'm not here anymore, I would really like my organs to help other people to save other Ooh. lives. Yeah. And it's as simple it's, as that. Yeah. yeah, it's so, so easy. And that the, those 30 seconds could save somebody, t- give somebody 10 years of life. Yes. Yeah. All right. And now how would a person register then as an organ donor? Super, super easy. So they can go to the ODF's website, which is odf.org.za, I believe. They can go to our website, save7.org. Um, we've got a database that link, or they both feed into the same database. And um, the, what, what we've added to it, so you, you literally just go, you put in your ID number, your name, email, phone number. And then what we've added is, is, is the concept of a time capsule, where not only do you put your ID number down on the list, but you can actually leave a, a voice message to your next of kin at some stage in the future that we hope will number one, make that conversation easier now so that you can record it and almost prepare for it, but you can also send it to them to say, okay, th- these are my wishes. And um, if you don't have the, the right moment, the right time, the right dinner time conversation, um, it's super, super easy. And you can do it in a 10 second voice note, but it's also then stored along with your states as an organ donor, um, so that later we've developed systems now that can call on that, so that if the opportunity ever comes up for you to donate your organs, when the transplant coordinator, whose job it is going to be to obtain consent from your next of kin, when, when they approach your next of kin, they're not just approaching them with an ID number on some arbitrary database in order to try to extract organs from your, your precious deceased loved one. They're rather going to come with a, a, a real life testament with, with your voice, your wishes and say, look, there's, there's some evidence that they did want to do this. Do you want to go ahead with it? Um, and we thought that that would be an, like an incredible incredible thing to be able to add, an incredible moment to be able to foster. And we also thought that it would make that conversation or yeah, that decision one of the easiest of their lives. Um, so that's, that's, that's how you as, as a user can, you can go to save7.org, sign up, take less than a minute. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you can save seven lives. <laughs> So save seven, the seven is a number, and then it's save seven.org. Yes. All right. So, yes, that's beautiful because it actually personalizes it and it takes the, the anxiety out of did the person want this, didn't they want it? And also, even more personalized because it could have your voice. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay. So, that's beautiful. So, Let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to delve into this other company that you've got, or this other venture called Simply Med. But let's go for a break first. Awesome. Listen to this. I can't believe you're finally leaving. I never thought this day would come. Dad? You, you better get going, son, or you'll miss your flight. And we wouldn't want that. Okay, I love you guys. Bye. Bye. And now the same thing in sunshine yellow. Can't believe you're finally leaving. <laughs> I never thought this day would come. Dad? Uh, you'd better get going, son, or you'll miss your flight. <laughs> and we wouldn't want that. Okay, love you guys. Bye. 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 If a colour can make something sound happy, imagine how it could make it look. Metal paints, the right colour matters. Visit metalpaints.coza. You're listening to Vuga Online. You are rocking with the best. 
Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. Today I'm joined by John T. Wright, who is a third year medical student. I didn't even confirm that with you, by the way, but I'm sure you would have corrected me by now if you weren't. Third year medical student who, together with his colleagues, has come up with um, an idea called Save Seven. And this is because we need organs. People out there need organs. They're on waiting lists. They're waiting to die. And people die every day with organs that they unfortunately take with them. And so we don't see the benefit of, of their organs staying behind in the living world. Um, Safe Seven is very much about um, uh, safe7.org, signing up. You can get information. You can also leave um, a voice note, or maybe we shouldn't call it a voice note in technical terms, but basically a, a voice message for your loved ones to say that this is what you're wanting. And so it's just making the decision easier. But now something that's fascinated me, Jonty, is um, Simply Med. I'm seeing that you are a future doctor who's got lots of different interests. And that you are also approaching the way you study, the way you get ahead, the way you are going to be Dr. Wright one day. I'm seeing that you're making sure that your colleagues come with you, that you're not the only one. I sure hope so. (laughs) Okay. All right. So what I'm really liking is, is it takes it takes a village to to raise children, and certainly mm-hmm. it's it takes a very big village to um, to raise doctors, to raise yeah. medical students and grow them into doctors. So talk yeah. to us about Simply Med. Awesome. So Simply Med, as a matter of fact, precedes Save Seven. Um, it was born out of, funny, I probably owe its existence to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, when I was in matric, I was fortunate enough to be involved with um, a group that put together a website, we, we called it NotesShare, um, where we took um, notes from our private schools and, the, and allowed other people um, who had a functional online schooling system to donate their notes that we could then distribute to um, less fortunate schools. And that really opened my eyes to the power of, okay, technology, web development, and being able to share knowledge with people who need it, really. And when I got to first-year medical school, um, I saw that people weren't coping as as well um, when it came to online learning, um, when it came to resources, self-directed learning, what do I study, when do I study it, um, what's the best way to study um, I'm, I'm really quite lost. I think I'll, I'll rather just sit back and, and, and see what happens or I'm too stressed to study now and then you take some time off. And I, I thought that was really quite tragic um, and started using what we'd learned from, from NoChair. And fortunately, I'm very blessed to have a, a web developer for a dad um, who walked me through how to, how to use the, the theme code template that we were using on WordPress um, when we both simply met initially. And then how to how to work the databases and get people to be able to upload notes, and it started literally as uh, a means of me sharing. So I, I create flashcards because um, I was very in high school, but very very into the science of learning. And okay, cool. If I want to be a doctor, I want to be able to learn at high speed with high efficiency. What, what's the best way of doing that? And um, all the literature at the time points towards flashcards. So it started as a way of me just sharing flashcards that I had made with with my class and just creating little quizzes for them. 
and yeah, they really enjoyed it. So um, created more features where people could upload notes, where people could contribute and say, okay, I've made this summary and we had some incredible summaries. Um, shout out to Nabila Jaffer who created these incredible artworks on Notable. Um, notable? Notability. And we then upload them and people have different learning styles and prefer different, um, different tacks and would go for Nabila's notes. And then we're like, okay, how can we expand that even more? Um, I, w- I found YouTube very, very helpful. Um, you know, people who are like financially incentivized to make content as, as short and as interesting and as um, content packed as possible. And I, I really enjoyed like supplementing the lecture material with stuff that I found on YouTube, which was free access. And then started creating little virtual classrooms where people could access, okay, there's, there's this YouTube video on scheme heart disease. or this this YouTube video on pathology IV, um, which number one, um, kept me quite accountable to my class and forced me to stay on top of the work, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, but it also helped us get like a more three-dimensional understanding of these concepts that we were taught because I feel like in, in a given lecture, if I'm, look, I'm being told somebody's perspective and I'm only really getting one, one view of it, seeing it from another institution another country's perspective allows me to get this, this more three-dimensional understanding of the knowledge that i'm actually trying to get a grip with and i really yeah i really really enjoyed that and i still do it to this day <laughs> um so anyway uh, that's how the the classroom um, setting of simply made got started and funnily enough the one of the one of our guys here Nazim had played around with adding a chatbot and we were like, okay, cool. What if we could create a chatbot that people could ask and say, okay, I'm looking for material on neurology. I'm looking for material on cardiology. Where do I go? And we played around with obviously being able to feed data back and forth from it. And that's actually the chatbot that started Save7. Um, it was around it was around this time. I ended up meeting Lynette and was like oh wow well if you want to start have a conversational campaign about um about organ donation a great way to do that would be to get a chatbot involved and get some artificial intelligence to be able to communicate and be an ambassador for it when i'm not there um and that's yeah that's how those two ended up linking um, at the moment simply med functions essentially just as a as a library that students will it's it's quite um specific to to Stellenbosch. um and unfortunately it's it's um not going to be able to continue beyond my year, or at least not at the moment, because Stellenbosch will be changing their system, uh, their syllabus, and I'm the last, well, our year is the last of the current syllabus, and we're still figuring out what the new syllabus looks like. Uh, but we're seeing that the need is still definitely there. Um, and I'm you know, currently working with some of the, the second years and the third, first years in my part to see, okay, cool, how can we how can we get this going again to be able to supplement your learning? Um, and in the meantime, just maintaining it for our class and the years above to yeah, be able to help them enjoy medical school. <laughs> yes. So, and with that also, it's it's basically the abundance in giving, in the abundance in reaching out. The, and I've also said, you know, whenever I teach as well, that when you're going to learn something, the fastest way to learn it is to teach it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> They don't yeah. believe me, though. I do tell my students to teach the pot plant, and they look at me as if I'm funny. <laughs> teach the pot plant, teach the cat. I don't care, but teach someone. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the, this window here has been taught many things about. <laughs> we're currently on MSK2, so a lot of stuff about orthopedics. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Okay. 
All right. So now let's look at, um, you know, obviously you trying to bring in medicine and technology and, you know, the whole AI thing, the the chatbot, the, all those kind of um, the things that people would say don't go with people. And you're trying to bring in the people, the medicine and and the AI side to get it all to work together to the benefit of people. Mm. Yeah, and I think that to your point, they, they sound disparate, but they're actually talking to the same point. Like medicine and technology have been built to help people. Like those mm. only exist as fields to, to further to further relationships and to further our health, whether that be psychologically, socially, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. And I think that there's there's a lot of synergy that we often miss out on. Um, and fortunately, I mean, I've got a family who's very in, involved in tech and in design, and I've been blessed to grow up around very people-centered people um, and like the importance of those relationships was impressed on me very early on um, and I've also got an incredible community here in, in Rares campus and being able to bring all of those together is is yeah, probably what I enjoy most in life at the moment um, and I hope for will continue for the, for the foreseeable future um, but like as to as to, like how we're bringing that together, when when I first wanted to become a doctor and when I wanted to like enter medical school, I was under the impression that I was going to be seeing, treating, diagnosing, um, talking through things with patients. Um, and then I arrived and shadowed a whole bunch of doctors and got to spend time in the clinics and saw that like depending on your specialty, of course, but like up to forty percent of their time is spent like writing clinical notes. Um, doing like googling a whole bunch of stuff sifting through studies um, manual data collection manual data analysis all, all of these things that I was like that's really taking away from the time and it's actually impeding on the doctor's mental health um, and therefore impeding on their ability to treat a patient so yeah very very early on I wanted to start creating systems that could help not just me but the other members of our class and now uh, the medical community at large be able to reduce the admin time associated with all of, all of those very frustrating aspects of the medical field and allow them to spend more time with their patients. And if it's not with their patients, with their families or doing things that they love outside of medicine, that they maybe don't have the time to do, um, which is actually, I'm not sure it's been mentioned yet, but that's why we started. Um, the company that's currently running with funding Safe 7 is actually um, on above Simply Medical. We're calling it Halo. Um, and that's basically me and a couple other guys who are also interested in coding. I'm um, just trying to use AI and the advancements from Silicon Valley and put it into a third third world healthcare system to be able to try to let those advancements there like advance our own um, our own clinical practice and you know, protect our doctors' <laughs> mental health and their their relational health and yeah you know, help us deal with our burden of disease really. Yes, exactly as you've said, because it's so important that let's spend more time with people. Let's spend more time caring about people. Um, and if at the end of the day or in the middle of the day you go, yay, no more reports to write, you know, you would rather be playing football or lying on your bed or, you know, watching the sunset rather mm -hmm. than being, you know, like, oh, I must go and write more reports. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's there's a, like a a two pronged way of approaching that because 
yes, it's very, very important for doctors to get into spaces where they can like openly communicate about that and like share vulnerabilities. But at the end of the day, the work still has to get done. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably yes. and yeah. again from my little from my little clinical experience, that's what holds doctors back from being able to like fully embrace like the mental health movement is that they're like, okay, that, that would be great. I'd love that. But I've got 20 patient reports to write. Or I've got all of this stuff to do. So yeah, our, our idea was essentially to create AI systems and not creating AI systems yes. that, that do those for the doctors so that they can actively, they can go play football with their son. Yeah. <laughs> they can go have dinner with their wife. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and enjoy life. up there a bit in your sound. Okay, so yes, yeah, so we're just saying that it gives them the time back to be able to choose quality of what they're going to do with their time. And for yeah. all the lawyers listening to us and, and rubbing their hands in glee, thinking, oh, they're not going to have reports anymore. It's more a case of we're still having the value of the report, but the, the blood, sweat and tears to get the report, you're looking to see how AI and chatbots and all sorts of strange things like coding, which older people have no idea what that is, um, <laughs> basically saying that how do we make it more streamlined? How do we make it work better? How do we make it work cleverly and in less time? Yeah. 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 And it goes back to the thing, like, what do I need a doctor to do? I need them there to diagnose, to treat, and to talk to the patient and maintain that relationship. Everything else, I can get, if I can get a computer to do, um, I'd rather have the computer do it so that the yes. doctor can just sign it off and and do their job as a human. Awesome. Okay, let's go for our next break. And when we come back, I'm wanting to talk about your journey into medicine, your journey up to medicine, your journey through medicine. And you've, you know, you've spoken about dad, you've spoken about your support structure. So let's look to see what else you have that has made your journey what it is. But let's go for that break. How do you know the life or personal coach you are about to work with is who they say they are? How do you know if they can do the job? At the Africa Board for Coaching, Consulting and Coaching Psychology, we can tell you. So, before you share your secrets and spend your money, check with us first. Visit www.abccp.com or call us on 012-751-7608. The ABCCP, the professional Where we play your music your way all day, every day. This is Vuga Online, your inspiration radio station. Welcome back. You tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. My guest today is John T. Wright, a third-year Stellenbosch student, medical student, and he has brought in all his, his passion for people, for medicine, for technology. And he's looking to see how to get them all to work together, how to integrate, how to make things better for his fellow healthcare professional and obviously for the patient out there. But let's talk, John, to you about your your route to medicine. I can see your brain does lots of things. Not all brains do. But, yes, your brain does do Lots of different pastimes, lots of different, um, oh, this is exciting, and off you go to try that one out. Have you always studied so effectively? Have I always studied so effectively? Um, I would say the answer to that is no. (laughs) Um, I think that if, yeah, my 
grade one, two, 12 teachers were all in a room, they would have quite different things to say about how I, how I performed in class. Um, and I think that you know, if there's any impression that the, the stuff that we've been able to achieve so far is because I was, I don't know, genetically talented or, or like to vanquish that right away. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that studying effectively became a bit of an obsession for me um, around about grade 10. Just a whole bunch of life factors culminated in me um, wanting to learn like how to optimize my brain, my biology. And is that specifically focused around, I was obviously in grade 10 at the time, and a whole bunch of um, different spheres, and I wanted to, to learn how to do that. And yeah, I got obsessed with it in, a, in probably the healthiest way I can imagine. And yeah, I started experimenting with, with various things from you know, mind palacing to flashcards to teaching the mirror about my, my topics to teaching other, other people. Um, and I had to find ways of making it fun. Um, obviously knew that doing medicine was going to be a long road, um, as I was told by, by many a teacher, by many a friend, and by many a mentor. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I, I want to make this as fun as possible, but I also want to be the best doctor that I possibly can because I even at that time, I'd seen people going through medical school and absolutely hating it. And I was like, yo, I really want to do that, but I don't want the experience that they have from it. So how can I, how can I optimize myself now to be able to enjoy that and help others enjoy it at some stage in the future too? So you can see that you've put the pre-work in. Um, and yes, absolutely. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, but so-and-so is lucky. They can. No, you put the damn work in, you know. Um, <laughs> so you put in the prep. You've put in the work. You've worked out what works and what doesn't work and how to study more effectively, how to retain the work more effectively, how to understand what you're studying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's funny because it, we, we spoke earlier about Simply Med and trying to help other um, people to enjoy medical school. And a big part of that, and I, I haven't had the time to release this feature yet, was I actually took notes on all of the things that I'd learned from grade 10 until now um, and put them into like little protocol because I was like, okay, cool. I, I do plan on having children one day and I would hope that they don't have to go through the sim like similar process to what I had to go through in order to like, get all of these learnings. So I was like, okay, cool. And I also want to create a superhuman for a child. So I was like, <laughs> I want to get all of these learnings and put them together. And then I recently realized that, yeah, they're actually quite valuable for, for other people to learn. Um, but um, yeah, current, currently tied down in being able to share them in a, in a protocol that I believe would be valuable for people to access. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd very much like to, to share those <laughs> and, and still do actually with the, with the guys that I live with at the moment. Um, and it's, it's great to be able to see that benefiting other people too. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that when you speak into other people's lives and you see people grow, it comes back to you. It's like, yay, mm. look what happened. Yeah. And it's not just all holding it all yourself to say, no, it's all mine, 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 mine. And we're not going to share yeah. it. Yeah, I think that there's a, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that like joy is only complete when it's shared. Like if I see a beautiful sunset, if I was to just be like, wow, it's a beautiful sunset, I'm totally not going to tell anyone about that. Like I, I almost have to nudge my sister and be like, look at that sunset. Or yeah. if I listen to a great song, I almost have to share it with my, with my friends. Like, it's a similar concept like oh wow i found this really really useful 
Uh, we actually had a magical moment today when one of the one of the guys that I've been walking with um, told me about how he's been using. I, I'm a big fan of mind palacing and like using locational memory for things. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I've been studying for this test, been somewhat stressed, but yeah, I've built that mind palace and been got these assortment of flashcards. And I'm feeling really good for it." And there was a moment where it like took a thing. I was like, "That was probably the most satisfying moment of the of the week." Um, well, I'm definitely going to treasure, but you're, yeah, you're totally right, Colleen. Yes. Okay, so you've mentioned mind palacing. Um, for my audience, for our audience, explain what mind palacing is. For sure. So mind, it's, it's, it's basically a technique that plays on the fact that biologically and um, evolutionarily speaking, human brains aren't designed to, men- to remember lists. It's not like, Adam and Eve going around being like milk, bread, eggs, water. What was the other thing I needed? It's no food there, danger there, water there, um, home there. And that's why we're so good at being able to orient ourselves in space and like picture the route to work or picture the objects that are laid around my room. And we're also programmed able to tell stories very nicely. It's a massive part about um, who we are uh, as a species. And combining those two things allows you to be able to memorize a whole string of maybe seemingly meaningless information but often in medical or always in medical terms um, very very useful information and be able to hold on to it for a much longer period of time so for example um, there was a, <laughs> a a competition that a friend of mine when we started playing around with this in high school a competition to see you could memorize the most digits of pi and it's it, it's a nice example because they, they seem somewhat arbitrary, but by attaching a character to each number, so for example, one is a trophy because they came first, or two is a duck because it kind of looks like a duck, and so on and so forth. Um, you can then walk around and probably still do it now, walk around my high school, a place that I walked around every day, and say, okay, cool, the pencil was there, and it flipped over and it hit duck. And then once that was done, it hits um, a star, which has five points, and there's and be able to go through and say, okay, no, 3.141592, et cetera. Um, and some, somewhat silly example, but like translate that to a medical thing where I have to remember the 10 or so side of corticosteroids and I need to somehow put them into a place. I can just say, okay, no, 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 the shelf in front of me. Okay, that person there, is, they've got metabolic syndrome. They've got um, central obesity, very, very thin legs and all of a sudden their legs get thrown out from under them because, because why? why? Well, there's a, there was a massive cataract that just bowled straight through them. And as that happened, it took all of the muscle off their legs. So they've got um, proximal muscle weakness as a result. And then their femur lands straight in the ground and turns black. So that's ascular necrosis of the femoral head and like those kinds of things. Um, and then obviously doing it in reverse as well. Um, they are S- simple example. But yeah, I hope that I hope that helps someone <laughs> memorize a whole bunch of <laughs> details that we don't want. You almost made it feel like it was fun, but yes, yeah, certainly association, telling your story, and not just learning random lists, um, yeah. but certainly attaching a story to each part of your list, um, and then you'll see that you remember the story. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you can revise that at, at regular intervals. It makes it makes learning a lot more. Fun. Uh, yeah. Oh, a lot of my medical career success. <laughs> all right. So, what message do you have for your colleagues who are all over the world, who are 
medical students. Yeah. A, no pressure. Yeah, no, none at all. Um, I was just picturing an audience of medical students just looking. Um, sure, I, I feel somewhat ill-qualified to be able to advise them on how to live any, any, any part of their lives, but I would say that I find ways of enjoying things. Um, there's, as a medical student, we're going to be in for, for a long ride. Um, and we might as well find ways of enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very tempting to get caught up in this this hubris of like, oh, I had to do X amounts of work and it's absolutely horrible. And yeah, sure, that's great. Like in the, in the long term, it's going to be a lot more beneficial to say, okay, cool. I need to learn the side effects of ACE inhibitors. How can I make that fun? Or I need to be in, um, I need to get my entire morning routine done and be in the hospital at five o'clock in the morning. How am I going to make that fun? um yeah and i remember i remember like it's it's not always going to be fun so there's definitely a, a time and a place for for discipline and a time and a place for community and to be able to like share things like that but as much as possible i'm um, trying to make things fun and ask something that i've been meditating a little bit on recently is like if i had to ask myself whenever i face with a challenge what would it look like for this to be easy um and that's that's really really helped me a lot in in the past few weeks to month um what, what would it look like to this to be easy and in doing so find a, a fun way of doing it um yeah if that helps so somebody very beautiful somewhere. approach john t in that don't put off being happy waiting till you qualified waiting till you get to fourth year waiting till you've done something other. waiting till you've it's almost like you don't get today back again so let's suck it up. Let's enjoy every single moment of it and make it fun. Bring the joy into every day, even if it is in ACE inhibitors. Hundred <laughs> percent, Colleen. Um, I think, yeah. Again, I, I, I feel somewhat weird saying this as a twenty-year-old, but every time I've placed like infinite value on saying, "Oh, then once I've achieved that, then I'll be happy. Once I've achieved that, then I'll be happy." It, every time it's never like getting into medical school is this massive thing and then day two of medical school day two or three after it even happens then you're like okay cool now what what now and there was a lot more joy that i could have had along the journey um that could have actually rolled on and had had momentum going into medical school than placing infinite value on this on this literally just name (laughs) And, and and sure it's a great opportunity but like you know there are a lot of things that we put on hold um, in order to say, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to be happy then. Um, but there, yeah, there, there are more ways of bringing that happiness here to today. Um, yeah, I, I would encourage yes, everyone and, to do that. You know, don't ever apologize for the fact that you're 20 because wisdom comes from everywhere and we're all able to mentor. We're all able to coach no matter how old we are. Thank you, Kalina. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Jonti, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you've been an awesome guest. I am really looking forward to the rest of your career because I know that we're going to see lots more from you and your colleagues. Um, and that it's we're not we're going to see way more before you even get the t- title of doctor. Mm, I sure mm. hope so. No, oh, it's going to happen. Watch it, yes. Um, So wishing you and your colleagues all the best. 
and um, knowing that you are making a massive difference and that we're looking to see that everybody listening to us is going to be having that conversation about their organs, Saving7, um, Save7.org. They're going to be having that conversation. They're going to be sharing with their loved ones that they are willing to make a difference. And we're going to impact so many lives. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Okay. So thank you so much for joining me. You have been tuned to Healthcare Hour with Colin Quist. Please remember that you are loved, that you matter, and that you're not alone. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. You get online.